Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. Hey, Legacy Pastor Josh here. So sorry I'm not there with you today. Happy Father's Day, though, to all you dads and all you grandfathers. Uh, we want to celebrate you guys today. We're so thankful you've joined with us to worship on this Sunday. And uh, but I'm currently in Santa Barbara, and I'm preaching at a friend's church, Apostles Church up north. But I've left you in fantastic hands. Uh, my good buddy and friend Aaron Stevens is going to be preaching for us today. And uh, if you didn't know, he has just come on staff with Legacy City Church. We are so blessed to have him in our leadership. And uh, of course, he brings the word of God. Um, we're so thankful for the way he loves his family and the way he loves the church. And we're excited to hear from him today. So let's give a warm Legacy welcome to Aaron Stevens. Good morning, church. Thanks for allowing me to be in front of you this morning. Uh, great, uh, Josh is so gracious in, in his words. Uh, I'm very grateful for this opportunity to get in front of you guys and to speak today. Uh, and as uh, Josh you know, was talking about the opportunity, I, I was like, well, maybe we should just continue along in the, the series that you're going through, the book of Matthew. Um, but I didn't know that that was going to leave me with uh, demon possession, death, and taxes. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get into it today. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 17, so you can turn there. Um, but today is Father's Day. Um, we want to take a moment uh, just to acknowledge the fathers. You know, I, I was doing some research online and, and looking at some statistics, and most of the, the social ills that we see in our, our society today, um, those, those statistics go down dramatically when there's a presence of a father in the home. And, and so you that are fathers, uh, you that are doing that work, um, just know that your work is not in vain and continue to do what you're doing, loving your family, loving your children, uh, being a, a father to those who the Lord has placed in your life. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very worthwhile task and, and don't take it for granted uh, and don't take fathers for granted. Uh, we need more fathers in our society and, and, and we want to just acknowledge those fathers. So if you're a father today, would you stand up? A father, grandfather, please stand. Please stand. We want to acknowledge you. Please. Yes. Yes, please remain standing. Uh, church, would you join me? Uh, yeah, stand, 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 please. Yes, you guys deserve it. Thank you for all that you guys do. It's a blessing to the church. It's a blessing to your family. Uh, if you're near one of them, uh, would you guys please join me in a word of prayer? Lay a hand on them, and let's pray over these men. Lord, we're so grateful uh, for these men that you've placed in this church. Uh, the way that they love their families the way they love their children. We're not perfect, we fall short, uh, but you gave us a perfect example and I pray for these men that you would give them uh, an extra measure of your spirit, that they would be faithful to you, that they would be faithful to, to try to be like you, uh, the good father that you are to us, that they would extend grace to their children and to their wives and to the people that you've placed in their lives, that you would help them to be more and more like Jesus. So we thank you for these men. We pray that you would give them the strength and endurance to continue to fight the good fight, that they would continue to lead their families well. So we thank you for each and every one of these men. We ask your blessing on them today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. 
it's really important to, to see fathers in the home, and, and I hope to be a good father. I had a, a great dad, and, and he had his faults and failures, but he was a great dad, and, and I'm, I love him for that. Um, but today, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 14. I want to share a quick story with you. I heard a story of a, a grandma who took her, her grandson uh, to the beach, and uh, the sun was setting, and he was playing out there, and she wanted to take a, a moment to, to make a spiritual deposit in his life. She's, so she calls her grandson over and says, son, look, look at all this. Look at the sunset. You know, God made this. He created this just for us. He created it for you. And the grandson said, well, yeah, grandma, I know. And he did it all with his left hand. And the grandma looks puzzled, like, what do you mean he did it with his left hand? She's like, well, I heard at Sunday school that, that Jesus is sitting on God's right hand, so he had to do it with his left hand. <laughs> he was a little confused, a little, little um, misunderstood with regard to, to who God is and his power and his authority and, and Jesus sitting at the right hand. But today, we're going to look at God and all of his authority on display through Jesus uh, and I titled this message today, He Has Authority Over All Things. He has authority over all things, as we shall see. Uh, so would you guys join me in reading, uh, starting in verse 14 of Matthew 17. And it says, And when he had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And we'll stop there. So we, we pick right back up in the Gospel of Matthew, I'm sorry, I, I forgot, I said, it's a habit, I, sorry Josh, forgive me, you're supposed to stand for the reading of God's word, I'm standing, you guys stood, I appreciate that, oh, I love the culture here at the church, the, the honor and respect we want to give to God's word, it, it's true, we should stand for the word of God and the reading of it. Um, as I mentioned, we, we are in the Gospel of Matthew. We're picking up right where Josh left off. He got to share with us of, of that glorious moment, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus and, and the disciples, Peter, James, and John, they, they come down the mountain now after that Transfiguration moment, and they're met by a multitude. And it says that a man comes to him, a father. I mean, it's Father's Day. A father comes to Jesus, and he starts to tell him his situation. And I can't imagine this, this father's difficulty. As a father, like seeing your son suffer, seeing him go through difficulty, it's, it's a burden, it's, it's a weight on him. And he must hear that, that Jesus is in the area. So he, he runs to the area to find Jesus, but, but Jesus is on the mount. He's being transfigured. So what does he do next? He, he goes to the disciples, the other nine disciples that are there, and he asks for help. And he brings his son to his disciples. And the text reminded me of this, this truth that, that as disciples of Christ, you and I, we are disciples of Christ, us Christians. Uh, we should be ones who people look to for help in time of need. Uh, the disciples were there and the man brought his son to the disciples and he was, they were willing to minister. And I know sometimes in the, in the church today, we could think, well, well, that's what the pastors are for. The pastors are, are there to minister. Bring them to the professionals. No, you and I, we are disciples as well, and God wants to use us to minister to people in their time of need. 
You know, there may be a, a neighbor or, or a coworker or a family member, a friend, someone that the Lord just, just puts in your path that you can minister to. You don't need a, a professional pedigree. You don't need to be having the title of pastor to be able to minister effectively. Maybe there's someone that the Lord just places on your heart. This happens to me where, where I could just be driving or doing something normal, just running errands, and someone will come up on my mind, and, and I just try to make it a habit of reaching out to them, shooting them a quick text message. Or, or if I'm driving, make them a, a quick call using the hands-free thing, of course. I want to be safe. Um, but just reaching out to those people. The Lord puts people on our minds and in our path continually, and we should be ready and willing to minister. And it may be that they don't answer. You know, I've been left unread many times, and it's not fun. Sometimes our efforts may fail, but it's not about us. You know, the, the man brought his son to the disciples, they failed too. They weren't able to cast out this demon. And all of our efforts may not always end in success. We may not always see a, a radical transformation right in front of our eyes. It may not always result in conversion right there on the spot. We may not see the miracle happen. Um, but we could be planting seeds. We can be watering seeds, being faithful to do what it is that, that God would want us to do in the life of that person, just being available. We have all been called to this as disciples for Christ. We can be his hands and feet on this earth. There's people around us, all around us that are hurting. It's, it's worth it to step out in faith and be willing to, to minister. I had a, a good friend once tell me, uh, it would be worth it to step out in faith and fail nine times out of 10 to know that that one time I was effective and the Lord used me than to, to be fearful and not step out and not do that thing and miss out on that one chance, that one chance to minister to that hurting person. And I would encourage you, I would challenge you, step out in faith, be prayerful. Think about those people that the Lord has put into your path, in your life that you can be ministering to. What are they going through? Are people coming to you with their concerns? Are they, they laying their requests before you, looking for help, looking for guidance? The best thing we can do is to point them to Jesus. And I think that's what the disciples did here. They weren't able to, to cast out this demon. And so when Jesus comes down the mount, the man makes a straight line uh, to Jesus. And what does he do? He comes before him. And it says that in the text there that in verse 14, he comes to him and then he kneels down, and then he lays his request before Jesus. What's that a picture of? He comes to Jesus, kneels down, and lays his request. It's, it's, it's prayer. He, he's praying to Jesus this thing, this, this situation, his son, he's bringing him before the Lord. And we should also bring our request before the Lord. You may be dealing with something or going through a season where it's just, it's very difficult. The first thing we should do is look to Jesus. You know, you can come to the brothers, you can come to the, the fellowship here. That's one of the things I love about this church is there's so many people willing to pray and to, to come alongside and minister to you. But the most important thing, the most impactful thing that we should do is bring it to the Lord. And I'm, I'm not standing up here and saying that I'm, I'm perfect at this. Sometimes I'll be more quick to Google something than I will to, to go right into prayer. Like, well, I feel like I have these symptoms and, and I'll Google it, which you should never do, by the way. Don't ever Google your symptoms. You'll find out you have all kinds of stuff. But instead of doing that, we should go to Jesus. Get before him. Fall down on your knees. This is the, the posture of this father who's, who's at his end. 
he falls down on his knees before Jesus and he lays his request before him. And that's what we should do. We should come to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is our mediator. There's one mediator between man and God, and that's the man, Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5 says. So when, when life happens, when trials come, which they will, I mean, just because we're Christian doesn't mean we're free from trials. The, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. We should take those concerns, those cares, and lay them at the feet of Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. And how does Jesus respond to this man's request? It's kind of interesting. Verse 17, uh, Jesus says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? That word faithless there uh, could also be translated, and it may be translated in your Bibles as, as unbelieving. You unbelieving generation. And I think what Jesus is getting at here is that he's not going to be with them on the earth for much longer. He already told them about his, his death that's going to happen and that it must happen. And it would, be, it would be great to have Jesus on the earth. I think I've mentioned this before here. To have Jesus physically present on the earth would be amazing. But only those who were in his presence would have access to him. You know, the, the man, he brought his, his child and, and Jesus was on the mount. So he had to go to the disciples because Jesus wasn't there. And I believe this is what Jesus is talking about in John 6, where he says, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I, if I go, then I'll send the helper. But if I don't go, the helper won't come. So it's a, to your advantage. I can't be every place on this earth, Jesus says, at, at the same time. But when the spirit of God comes, he will indwell his people. And I believe this is what Jesus is talking about, that the Spirit will come and indwell us. It's to our advantage that, that he has ascended to the Father. He was speaking of the Spirit that we would receive. And as we live in this, this unbelieving and, and twisted generation, God has given us two things. He's first given us his Son for the forgiveness of our sins. And second, he's given us his Spirit his spirit to indwell us, to enable us to overcome our enemy, which is threefold, our flesh and its sinful desires, the world and, and its temptations, and, and Satan in the demonic realm. We have victory over these things because of God's spirit indwelling us. So while Jesus is, is not with us here physically on the earth, he has given us his spirit to lead us into all truth. But I wanted to look at something at the end of verse 17. Jesus hears the man's request, and at the end of 17, he asks him to do something. He says, bring him to me. He asked the father, not only I've heard your request, but now I'm asking you to do something. Go get your son and bring him to me. It's important for us to, to see this because when we give God our request, sometimes we lay it at his feet. He may tell us to do something, to, to give it to him, bring it to him and leave it with him. And, and so often I even find myself like holding on to that thing, like, okay, Lord, I, I prayed about that thing, but then it's still consuming my thoughts. It's still in my mind. It's still causing anxiety to, to erupt inside of me. That's not, that's not surrendering and giving it to the Lord. We need to be careful to, to give these things to the Lord. Bring our worries to him. He cares for us. He wants to, to hear from us. He has good plans and good thoughts for us. And it's important for us when, when we find ourselves in times of difficulty to lay our requests before him, but also surrender them to him. Bring those things to him and let him deal with it. 
And every time it enters into your mind, I would challenge you, just, just pray. Just lift up a quick prayer. Lord, you know this thing that's going on. I, I, I need you to handle it. I, it's too much for me. I can't deal with it. He has authority over all things. He can deal with your issue. He can deal with your situation. He can deal with your circumstance. So bring those things and surrender them to the Lord. Allow him to take over and take control of it. And Jesus has power over both things seen and unseen. And I mean, we see here, there, there is an unseen world, uh, the demonic. It's, it's unseen, and, and to be honest, I'm kind of glad it is unseen, because I don't know that I want to see it. <laughs> There's enough movies and stuff that I, I stay away from. I don't need to see all that. But there is a spiritual world that exists. And then, you know, every once in a while you get around some, some believers or some friends and they'll share some, some stories. Oh man, I saw this thing in my room or, or I felt this thing. And, and I don't doubt that those, those things happen, that, that there are spiritual forces at work. But I, I always try to remind myself in those moments that there's a couple of things that are important to remember in Scripture. And the first one being 1 John 4.4. 4. It says that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And it's important to remember that, that the spiritual forces that are at work, we are on the right side. And, and the spirit of God that he has given us, it's greater than anything else in the world. Another verse I like to remember is Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities or powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. God loves you. He has great things in store for you. And the, the spiritual world, the demonic, nothing can separate you from that love. And it's important for us to remember that. And I feel like those times when, when the demonic arises or we hear those stories or those things start to happen, it's all to distract and to take away from who God is and what he has authority over. And it's important for us to remember that he has authority over all things, the unseen and the seen. And to walk in that confidence, not being fearful of these things, and not being overconfident, like we're going to go tackle some demons or something, but really trusting that God has all that under control, and that he's given us everything we need to walk in faithfulness with him. Well, let's continue to read now in, in verse 19, and, and 20, 19 to 21 of our text in Matthew 17. In verse 19, he says, Then the disciples... Uh, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, well, well, why can we cast it out? And Jesus said to them, it was because of your unbelief. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. So the disciples, they, they take Jesus aside privately and they ask Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this, this demon? Well, and I, I'm imagining that they're thinking about this because remember in, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus had given them power over the demons to, to cast out the demons when he sent out the 12 to, to go minister, that he gave them power. So they had probably done this in the past. They had probably cast out demons and healed the sick and, and ministered to people. But Jesus responds to them in verse 20, and he says, it's because of your unbelief. And that word unbelief in, in some of your translations may be translated little faith, or you may see that in the margin. It was a little faith. 
not a, a huge faith, not a, not a faith that was uh, solely rested in the power of Jesus, but they had a little faith. And he explains that they had the faith of a mustard seed, or as a mustard seed, which is a, a small seed. If you've ever seen a mustard seed, I recently, like the last couple of years, got into gardening. I know it's kind of lame, but I, I like getting out in the garden. And, and I saw the mustard seed. I was like, oh, I can see what, what the text is saying here. The mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds, but when it's planted, it, it can make a tree up to 30 feet high. That's, that's three basketball courts stacked on top of each other, just for reference. I mean, I, I like basketball, so it makes sense to me. Three basketball courts high. This little tiny seed can make a tree that big. But what's interesting about the mustard seed is it's completely dependent upon the power of God for its growth, for its maturity. It's so, there's nothing that the mustard seed does. It's, it's solely relying on the, the sun and the, the water and, and the nutrients from the earth that, that God provides. The mustard seed is solely dependent upon, upon Jesus. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at here to the disciples, is that they need to be completely dependent upon Jesus. They had a little faith, but they needed mustard seed type faith. And the idea is not in, in the amount of faith so much as it is in who the object of the faith is. Our faith needs to be in Christ, who has authority over all things. And this is, what I believe, what he is trying to get at. You know, John MacArthur says, true faith, by Christ's definition, always involves surrender to the will of God. You know, some people say, well, I have faith and, you know, I want a Lamborghini. I've got faith. It's like, that's... That's, that's not what we're talking about here. We want, we want true faith, which is surrender to the will of God and what he desires for our life, trusting that he will do what is right. We want to have faith that not just shoots up wishes and prayers and, and sees God as being able to be our, our, our spiritual genie and make things happen, but a faith in God who is able to do the impossible, a faith in God who has authority over all things. And in verse 21, Jesus gives even more information as to why they couldn't cash out the demon. I know some of your Bibles may not, the modern translations don't have verse 21 in there, but trust me, it's in there. Uh, the original manuscripts, uh, some of the other manuscripts have it. And you find this same uh, story of the boy who was healed in the other Gospels, in Mark and in Luke. And in, and in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, you find that uh, section or that scripture that says that this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And prayer and fasting really what it does is it shows our, our reliance upon God. You know, prayer is something that we do. It's, it's communication with God. It's, it's what the father in this story did. He, he knelt before the Lord. He lifted up his request before the Lord. And, and fasting, uh, simply enough, abstaining from food. You know, a, a long time ago, Pastor Josh, I shared with the brothers that, that when, we, when we fast, that, that we are, are denying ourselves uh, food, something very basic, something essential. But also what we're doing is, is this flesh, this, this body that we're in, that's, that's telling us what to do. Our, our body says, we're hungry, go eat. We're able to, to show that we are putting our bodies into submission and say, no body, you're going to listen to me. You, you will eat when I say eat. And you're developing a discipline over your body. You're, you're putting your body into subjection to, to your authority that, that God has given you. And you're depriving yourself of these things. And you're focusing your attention on the Lord. You're, you're focusing your attention on Him. And I believe this has very practical benefits. Because as you, as you fast and as you deprive yourself of that food, you're also able to 
show your body that you're in control. So when times of temptation come, when that thing comes, oh, I just have to give in. No, you don't have to give in because you are in authority over your body. You can command your body to, to avoid those situations or to avoid that thing or avoid that thought or to put that out of your mind because you have showed your body that, that you are in control. And I know there's a lot of, of, of ways to fast. You know, some people choose to, to fast from social media, which I think more people should do. Um, you know, you have that like inclination. I, I just have to check that, that social feed. I, I gotta see who liked my picture or who, who posted what. You know, denying yourself that impulse, uh, surrendering that, and, and then just instead of doing that activity, focusing your attention on the Lord and in being in prayer with Him, I think is a good habit and something that we should be doing. And I believe that, that the Lord showed me that this verse is just pointing to us being spiritually disciplined and dependent upon him at all times. You know, because Jesus said that you guys couldn't cast out the demon because uh, this kind, it comes out by prayer and fasting. And it's not like the disciples could have just, you know, turned around, okay, I've been fasting for five minutes. I've been praying a little bit. Now I'm going to do this thing. No, they, they needed to do this ahead of time. They needed to be prepared for the situations. And I think the same goes for us. We need to be spiritually disciplined always. Not just when that, that difficult time comes that we, we go before the Lord fervently and we're on our knees, but we're consistently on our knees before Him. We're communing with Him. We're developing and establishing that relationship. So when difficult times come, we're able to withstand. And we're, we're familiar with Him. We're able to overcome because of Him who has authority over all things. Prayer and fasting is, is not something that we can just flip on at a switch. And I understand that there's some, some dietary restrictions and, and some medical conditions that some of you have. And I'm not advocating that everyone fasts a certain way. Um, but I would say that it's, it's a discipline that we should put into practice. Challenge ourselves to discipline our bodies, to have authority over them uh, so that we can overcome in times of need. We need to be careful to not be like the disciples and, and, and walking in, in their little faith. As I mentioned, they had authority in the past to, to cast out demons. So it may have been that, that when they approached this, this boy who was demon possessed, that they thought, oh, we got this. I've done this before. Let's just, we'll do it. And I can see the nine disciples. Remember the other three are on the mountain, but the nine disciples, one after another, going after this thing and, and could not do it. It's important for us to not rest on our, our past successes, our past victories, and think, oh, well, you know, I was able to conquer in the past. I, I, I can do this again. Because then we start to walk in, in that little faith that, that Jesus is talking about. And what he wants us to be is fully dependent upon him and to walk with him in dependence upon him in every situation, in every circumstance, that it wouldn't be in our own strength or in our own abilities that we're able to accomplish tasks that he sets before us, but we're solely dependent upon him to do what it is that he has called us to, to minister, to be a light, and to bring him glory on this earth. And I believe this is the kind of faith that Jesus wants us to have, to have a faith that is completely and utterly dependent upon him. So we'll continue into to verses 22 and 23, uh, the next section of our text. It says that, now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And the third day he'll be raised up and they were exceedingly sorrowful. We'll stop there. 
It always uh, blows my mind when I, when I look back at, at the Gospels and I see Jesus' interaction with the disciples. And in this situation, he shares with them, like, again, that he's going to be betrayed and he's going to be put to death, but he will rise again from the, from the grave on the third day. And then somehow they don't, they don't get it. Another thing that, to, that boggles my mind is that Jesus is having this conversation and Judas Iscariot, the one who's going to betray him, is in the circle with them. He's, he's there and he treats him no different. But the disciples, they don't get it. It says that they were exceedingly sorrowful. Of course, the, the death of Jesus being told to them right on the heels of the fact that he's being told that or the disciples being told that, that they have little faith and that they, they weren't able to cast out this demon. It's just sorrow upon sorrow. They're, they're exceedingly sorrowful at this point. But I, I think that they miss the most important part of what Jesus is telling them. Yeah, he's going to die, but he's going to resurrect. He's coming back to life. You know, we celebrate Good Friday, but Easter is what we really celebrate, the resurrection of Jesus. You know, Paul says, if, if Christ has not risen from the dead, then our faith is in vain. It's important not only to see the death of Christ, but to focus on, on his resurrection. It's, it's through his death, burial, and resurrection that we have salvation. And that's, that's the message of the gospel. Jesus lived a perfect life that, that none of us could ever live. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. And it's because of those mistakes that we're, we're separated from God. But God made a remedy. He sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life that we could not live, to, to die the death that we should die in order that we would have right standing with God forever. And so whoever believes in the name of Jesus and his work on that cross for the forgiveness of their sins, they shall be saved, the Bible says. It's important for us to always remember the gospel, not only that Jesus died, but that he rose again. And he has authority, not only over the unseen and the seen world, but he also has authority over sin and death. He conquered sin and death and gives us life eternally with him through faith. We'll continue into to verses 20, 24 on through the end of the chapter. So it says that in verse 24, when they had come to Capernaum, those who had received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? And he said, yes. And when, they had, and when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter said to him, from strangers. And Jesus then said, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for you and for me. Stop there. So they, they were in Galilee, they leave Galilee, and they come to Capernaum. And as soon as they get there, Peter is questioned about paying taxes. And then uh, Peter responds, yeah, of course, of course Jesus paid taxes. And he goes into the house almost as if to talk to Jesus, and Jesus anticipates it. And he, he asks Peter, what do you think? 
What do you think? I, I love that question because I think as Christians, we should be thinking. We should be thinking people. We should be questioning things. We should be challenging things, especially in this culture, in our society, where all these different ideas are, are being set out. We should be challenging these things. We should be thinking about things. And Jesus is, is trying to get Peter to see the bigger picture here. He says that, what do you think? Did the kings of the earth, do they take taxes from their sons or from strangers? And Peter obviously is like, well, obviously it's from strangers. If, he, if they took taxes from their sons, it's going right back to them. It makes no sense to take taxes from their sons. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, so then the sons are free. And Jesus is pointing out a bigger picture that God is the father of the whole earth. He is, he's over all creation. He has authority over all things. Jesus is the son. So the son is free. He's exempt from taxes. So no more taxes. I'm just kidding. Don't go tell your CPA that I, you heard at church that you don't have to pay taxes no more. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. No, we, we need to look at the text further because in verse 27, Jesus says, nevertheless, at least we offend. We don't need to offend people. Jesus says we don't, we don't have to do that. This is not what we're called to do, to go out and be a jerk for Jesus. But, but be a, a good citizen. We don't have to be out just beating people over the head with the Bible and, and, and trying to force things down their throat. We can be good citizens. Pay your taxes. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. These are the things that the Bible teaches. We shouldn't be uh, those type of people who are constantly looking for a loophole, but we are looking to ways that we can glorify the Lord in our workplace, in our, in our families, in our day-to-day -day lives. Even in the, the pain of our taxes, that we're honoring the Lord, that we're bringing him glory by being good citizens in our society. We don't need to, like I said, be a jerk for Jesus. Just, just be a good citizen and love your God, love your neighbors as yourself. Because at the end of the day, it's the Lord who provides for us. And you think about the, what Jesus tells Peter to do. Uh, he says, go to, the, go to the sea and cast in a hook. And, and pull up the first fish that comes out. And in that fish's mouth, you're going to find a coin. And take that coin and then take it to the tax collector and give it to him for, for you and I. A lot of things have to happen perfectly for that to actually happen. But I, again, I think Jesus is putting on display his authority over all creation. God has authority over all things. There was a, a man who was swallowed by a big fish and was thrown up on the shores of a, of a nation so that he can preach to them. God has control over all things, the demonic realm, uh, the, the things that face you in your day-to-day -day life, the lives of your children, the lives that you have at work, your, your career. God has authority over all things, and we can bring those things before him. It's, it's important for us to recognize this because there's so many times where we, we can desire to take things into our own hands and, and do things in our own strength, uh, exercising that, that little faith resting in our own, our own responsibilities or our own abilities and not trusting the Lord and putting our faith in Him who has authority over all things. So in closing, I just want to encourage you in a couple of things. What we see in the text here, the disciples, they were available to minister. Even though they failed, they were available to minister. So I would challenge you, make yourself available. There's people around us every single day that are hurting. And we have hope. We have God's word. We have living water to, to hand to them, to, to, to share with people. Uh, you may not be perfect at it. You may fail. You may make mistakes. So do the disciples. 
Make yourself available to minister as the Lord gives you opportunity. And don't neglect the preparation. Be in prayer. To get down on your knees before the Lord. Pray. Talk to Him. Let your request be made known to Him. And lastly, don't put your faith in your abilities, but in the God who has authority over all things. Amen? Amen. Well, let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that you do have authority over all things. There's, there's many things that face us in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, the enemy, our flesh, the temptations of this world. But you have not left us without the ability to overcome. We thank you for ascending into heaven and sending your spirit to fill us, to enable us, to have the power over the things that, that challenge us, that we can be victorious in you. Help us to remember that our faith is not in ourselves or in our own abilities, but solely in you. You are a great God. You love us. Today's Father's Day and we celebrate you. God, you are the best father. You have good things for us in store. You know what's best. You love us. And we're so grateful that we can be called your children. God, I just pray for any here that may be struggling or going through a difficult day as, as they uh, may not have their father with them. I pray that you would comfort them, that you would minister to them. For those of us who do have our fathers here, Lord, help us uh, to be wise with uh, that relationship that we would choose to, to honor you and how we relate to our earthly father. And for those fathers who are here, Lord, I pray that you would continue to build them up Fill them with your spirit. Fill them with your truth. Help them to share the wisdom that you've given them, that we would have a generation that would come up, that would know you, that would fear you, and that would walk with you all the days of their lives. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would continue to be with us today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.